This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, welcome to episode 66. Well, what can I say? We are living in unprecedented times. There is no doubt about that. It feels surreal. It feels scary. It feels overwhelming. All of the emotions. This episode is going out the day after the UK government announced that schools will be closed until further notice. So, I think for any uh, parent working from home, that has probably compounded those feelings of overwhelm and anxiety. But I'm not going to dwell here on the C word. I think we're all probably getting about as much as we can take of it right now. So how about a coronavirus free hour? That sound good? In today's episode, I'm chatting to Anne Store from the store cupboard. Do you see what she's done there? It doesn't work so well when I do it on audio because her surname is spelled S-T-O-R-R and she's called her website The Store Cupboard, S-T-O-R-R. It's very clever. I do love a play on words. Um, And she uh, does an awful lot of work around food waste, specifically how to use meal planning to reduce it. Now, we recorded this episode what feels like many, many moons ago, but was actually only a few weeks ago. And there isn't even a mention of the C word. Yay! But actually listening back to it in the context of current events, it's a really timely episode. With pictures on social media of supermarket shelves stripped bare, we're all starting to think about food in a slightly different way. Instead of seeing it as this plentiful and never-ending resource, some people are, for possibly the first time, really waking up to the idea that they need to make the very most out of every scrap of food in the house. And with regards to the climate crisis, food waste is a huge issue and, C-word or not, we all need to get better at using up the food we buy. So listen in for some brilliant tips around meal planning, food storage and clever ideas around using up leftovers and then head on over to Anne's website. The link is in the show notes to check out all the brilliant resources she has on offer there. Stay well, stay safe, stay sane-ish wherever you are and enjoy this episode of the podcast. Take care. Hi Anne, welcome to the podcast. Hi Jen, thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to it. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this as well. (laughs) Let's um, kick off by asking you to introduce yourself and what it is that you do. 
So my name's Anne Storr. I'm the founder of the Store Cupboard Food Waste Project that helps people to waste less food through helping them with their meal planning, with tips and information about food waste, which obviously helps them save money and combat climate change. I'm also a professional brand storyteller who works with creative organisations to help them with their sustainability messaging. Wow, right. There's loads <laughs> to dive into there. So um, what's your background? How did the Store Cupboard come about? So store cupboards, um, it was about two years ago, actually, I was waiting for a meeting um, and I'd been trying to do a bit of writing about food and I sketched out surely one grotty leftover plus one new thing equals one nice thing. How can I show that to the world? And um, it's actually quite a complex thing to communicate, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, especially if you're not a tech person. So I've been working in the food industry for a few years. Um, I'd always wanted to write, um, but sort of backtrack a little bit. In 2011, um, me and my ex-husband were fairly young parents of two children with uh, the salaries of idealistic and naive arts graduates (laughs) and (laughs) London uh, housing and childcare costs. So um, it was fun. Um, And I particularly remember it was about 2011 when the food prices were going up all the time. Right. And the house price and our mortgage was going up every month. Uh, obviously, we were fortunate to be on the housing ladder, but um, still, like we were, yeah, it, we were really broke. And I remember being stood in the supermarket, and I'm wearing my seven-year-old maternity coat that is frayed at the seams because I can't afford a new coat, and I won't go to places like Primark. Um, and I felt just horrible anyway. And I wanted to buy two tins of tomatoes so I could batch cook for the weekend. Um, before I went back to work on Monday and I couldn't afford the second tin of tomatoes because the prices had gone up again and again and I think it was like it gone from like 34p up to about 44p and I couldn't afford the second and I had to put the second tin of tomatoes back and I just felt like such a failure um, because I was you know 27 and a mum of two and working quite hard a fairly demanding a badly paid job um I sort of realized that with a bit of water and some tomato puree, I could make it work. And blah. Um, but because I was so broke, but I also had this veg box and they used to do a really super, super cheap one at the time. I knew that if I planned my meals and made sure I didn't waste a single thing, mm. I could just about make it work. So if we came back from a weekend away and the yogurt had gone gross, I worked out I could make soda bread. Right, or yeah. if, you know, we had, I don't know, like a little bit of broccoli left over and one sausage. Obviously, the kids were little, but I could stretch that out to make broccoli and sausage pasta rather yeah, than yeah. making them have to have bolognese or have to even have a tomato sauce. Um, yeah. so it was all those different little things where on a really tight budget, I still was able to cook meals from scratch um, because I just was really bloody minded, basically. Um, uh, it took a while for me to work out how to make that into something that could help the world. Yeah. Um, but but I did. So that's where store cover comes from. So had you always grown up kind of cooking and what was your motivation behind, behind wanting everything to be home cooked or wanting to have that sort of ability to home cook? Yeah, so my mum was a really good cook. I mean, she still is when she sort of has the energy to. Um, So I did grow up in a household where mum cooked 
most of our meals obviously there were definitely big platters of like fish fingers chips and beans you know (laughs) four kids in the in the 1980s um so yeah and cooking was just something that we did at home and I loved cooking on Sunday afternoons so I baked cakes and scones and things like that just because I wanted to um I think also because I was quite, um, you know, I was a, a parent and obviously for a lot of us, when we are new parents, we want the best for our children. Mm. Um, and really the pricing options were either I had to go to Iceland, not that there's anything terribly, terribly wrong with frozen food, but I didn't want it at that time. At that point, I've, I was very, very hostile to it. Um, but it is very high in fat and salt and obviously not great for little children. Mm. So it really was because money was so tight. It was a choice between the two things. Really. I I didn't have that flexibility. So I kind of had to cook everything to make it financially viable for me. Mm. I think also in some ways it was almost lucky where I worked um, in Camberwell in South London. Uh, At that time, there was nowhere nice for lunch. And (laughs) certainly nowhere on on campus because I worked at university on campus. The food was it's all pretty awful so like everybody brought lunch in so I got really used to always repurposing and taking things in it wasn't I I never really wanted to buy lunch at work because it's very different now Campbell was very different now (laughs) Um, but yes certainly 15 years ago it's a different story so I think yeah so I did definitely grow up in a food um, a food house you know yeah. me, my three brothers all really love their food my parents both cook quite a lot so uh so yeah and I was lucky I'd inherited a lot of my granny's things so I have a lot of 70 year old wooden spoons and chopping wow. boards oh. kicking about so yeah so the it sounds like certainly at the beginning the the motivator was sort of financial and driven out of almost a financial necessity absolutely um but we're kind of learning now or becoming more and more aware of the environmental impact of food waste. Is that something that was there at the very beginning or is that something that um, sort of you learned about as you went along? So uh, at that time, I mean, I've always, I, since one of my daughters was about one, I have bought a veg box um, from Riverford and they come with these newsletters and I'd read them mm. and so I, I was learning a lot at the same time about soil degradation yeah I've yeah. always I think I've actually always lived in a state of slight climate anxiety I okay. definitely date it from watching where the wind blows that Raymond Briggs David Bowie cartoon <laughs> about four years old <laughs> it's just it's terrifying um, so it's always been a motivator for me has been uh, worries about sustainability so for me it's it's been the two things um because it, I felt that the same people who would maybe cast aspersions at my buying organic milk my organic veg box my darling friends and family were the same people who I would see throwing chunks of meat in the bin mm-hmm. or just leaving vegetables on the side to rot rather than yeah. storing them in the fridge and I'd be like just put them in the fridge and they will last for longer and they'd be like oh god just <laughs> <laughs> so to me there has always been a really strong environmental motivator because you know as I would learn about farming through these newsletters and how hard that work was Mm. uh, there became that moral imperative as well Um, and it's now that as I've learned more about food waste and more about the statistics that you know it isn't just it's everybody we all need to make strides I'm not perfect you know I definitely you know sometimes I find things and they've gone a bit I found some sushi rice the other day that I hadn't eaten in time 
couple of tablespoons full um, that had gone off and I had to give it to the dog. You know, I'm only at home 10 days out of 14 because of my arrangements with my ex-husband. It's, it's quite difficult to plan around that sometimes. And yeah. that's been a learning curve because I've had to learn to change my cooking habits from two adults and two children yeah. to one adult and two children for a week and a half at a time. So oh. it's like we all have struggles and challenges and that always is an opportunity to improve. Yeah. So tell us some of these facts about food waste, because I think we've talked about them before on the podcast, but they absolutely bear repeating all the time, because I think it's such an issue that we're not really kind of joining the dots on particularly when it comes to sort of the climate crisis. Absolutely. So I think with food waste, it feels like somebody else's problem Mm. um, because we're all so used to, I think, to food being so accessible uh, and such commodity. So, you know, you can say something exciting like, you know, five million tonnes of edible food were wasted in 2012, which is equivalent to 14.9 billion pounds. So, uh, and... for the carbon of that, that's 22 million tonnes of wasted carbon dioxide was emitted into the atmosphere as a result of all the food that everybody in the UK, that's just the UK, that's not the mm-hmm. world, that's just the UK and that's just at home. So wow. that's not farming waste, that's not retail, that's just literally at home. Um, and of that, 41% of that food is literally just food not used in time. So we've just bought it and forgotten about it or gone out instead and it's just kind of left there in the fridge or on the side and then gets chucked away. Exactly, because we go, oh, actually, that's gone a little bit yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so that is entirely and utterly avoidable. Um, So, but at the same time, yeah. In terms of kind of where the carbon comes from or where the greenhouse gases come from, obviously when food goes to landfill, it's, it's emitting carbon dioxide and it's emitting methane. But I think what we also forget about with our food um, and with everything that we buy, actually, but there's this embedded carbon and water that comes with it. This, this from, as you said, from the farmers growing it and from all the, um, any uh, fertilizer that's been used, the diesel that's been used for the tractor, all those exactly, all exactly, exactly. That comes with the food. And if it's just then going in the bin, that carbon is just completely wasted. So we, we, exactly. Yeah, forget about that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. And again, because it's just it's it's just there. It's it's invisible and something that we take for granted. But but these these big numbers, like twenty two million tons of carbon, five million tons of wasted food, like that's quite difficult to mm, get a hand on. Yeah, exactly. So um, I've got a couple of examples which might be helpful. So, and these uh, figures, uh, these original figures, are all from RAP. So they're all government figures. So they, you know, they they may be more extreme uh, in, in reality. Government's kind of waste department, isn't it? Exactly. So these, so these, that's where my that's where my numbers come from. Um, I've maybe worked out different ways to interpret it to make it more uh, understandable to everybody. Mm, sure. But that's where the original numbers come from. So from RAP's last report, um, if we want to talk about pork. And also when we think about the pork industry, we're thinking about real pigs mm. and mostly they're pigs who are not living free range lives. Um, so that's not great. You know, that is just so that we can have, uh, for those of us who have meat as part of our diet, we can have it, um, sausages and bacon. So if 102,000 tons of 
pork is wasted in the UK each year. So that's pork, roast pork, bacon, sausages, mm. slices of ham. 42,000 tons of that is pork just not used in time. So say that's, that's out, of, out of, so how much is 100, 102,000 right. tons. So nearly half is wasted just because it's not eaten in time. Yeah. Right. Wow. So I worked this out. Um, so that is a lot of sausages, but what it really, really comes down to is it's two and a half sausages per person per week. Wow. Just in the bin. In the bin. Yeah. So, I mean, but if you think, you know, I've kind of said sausages to represent the pork waste, yeah. but if you think about, so that's a rasher of bacon here, a sausage there, maybe mm. a bit of pork joint because like yeah. using leftover pork, a lot of people have, uh, concerns about the cleanliness of reusing pork. Right. Um, which is absolutely fine as long as you store it safely and there are guides on my website. So if you think that is two and a half sausages per person per week, that doesn't feel like an awful lot, but that's what it, that's what it, you know, that's it on the micro level. Yeah. On the macro level, it's 102,000 tons. So if we can all make sure that we are buying what we think we're going to use, if we know how to store it carefully, if we are sensible about freezing it, if we're not going to use it, if we cook the amount that we think that our household is going to eat, whether that's just mm. us or it's for a big brunch of 12 people. Yeah. Um, we all need to be, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely a food, love through food person. You know, if you come to my house, yes. you should come for brunch. There will be a table full of food because I, I hate the thought of there being a hungry person at my house. At the same time, I know that I'm going to make sure that everything is eaten. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so for me, you know, if we're talking about pork waste, you know, sausages are such an easy thing to use up. You can dice them, you can have them, you know, rather than, buy bacon to be as a base for a bolognese sauce you can mm -hmm. use some sausages instead you can chuck them in a chili you can literally just have a cold sausage sandwich you yes, know yes. rather than buying some ham it doesn't have to be complex it yeah. doesn't have to be gourmet it's just literally using one thing instead of the other mm. and pork is perfectly safe to reheat once just make sure that you cool it down uh, as you would do everything uh, to room temperature, put it in a lidded container. You don't need to buy something fancy. You can use yeah. an old ice cream container. Yeah. I've got like five-year-old ice cream containers. <laughs> put it in the fridge, use a Sharpie, write down how old it is. Yeah. If you think you're not going to use it, chop it up, chuck it in the freezer and make sure you know when you're going to use it up by. Brilliant. So I think when we talk about food waste as well, um, I think you Fernie Whittensall did a bit on this either last year or the year before and talking about mm -hmm. the the food waste that occurs at the supermarket you know whether I'm refusing to buy wonky veg and all that sort of stuff but yes. actually and so it's very easy for us to think oh you know bloody supermarkets they're causing these huge problems with food waste but actually 50% of food waste occurs in the home doesn't it that yes. blows my mind that statistic yes. absolutely blows my mind yeah I think it's you know um I mean obviously the way some of the ways that foods are sold so having mushrooms in shrink wrap in cling film is not you know that is literally the worst way right the worst way to package mushrooms because it makes them sweaty so they definitely have you know a responsibility to help people to make more responsible purchases but we too also have a massive responsibility at home to have a better handle on what we're buying and making sure that we use it all up to store it correctly and to really, you know, think about ways that we can use up food. So I had um, 
some cream cheese because I'd really wanted a tomato sauce with cream cheese for a comfort meal the other day. <laughs> and then I had two thirds of a packet of just, you know, bog standard yeah. cream cheese. And I don't really like it. And my kids don't really like it. And I had some greens and I was like, well, I can surely, if you can have spinach and ricotta cannelloni. Yeah. You can have kale and cream cheese cannelloni. <laughs> I'm not saying I would serve it to a guest, but it was fine. Yes. Um, so again, it, it's that um, I think where we have, I know people in food always harp on about we've lost our links with food. I know not everybody wants to know the cow's name who, you know, was, mm. was uh, milked to make the cream cheese. That's fine. I'm not saying everybody has to be a middle-class foodie. They absolutely don't. But if you understand that a creamy cheese and something green can stuff, you know, can yes. be like a spinach and ricotta, then that's fine. Then you're going to save money. Then you're going to feel, actually, it's really nice when you, we feel resourceful. Mm. It helps us to feel in control. And where we do have these worries about the climate, where we, are, we luckily, good, um, it's kind of not a great thing to be right about, but so many more people are getting on board with the climate crisis mm. now. You know, I mean the sound of the gales outside you know people in my village can't get to work today because of the storms you know these storms are more frequent people in the north are being flooded for the second time in five years and you know the stress of that on on the livelihoods of these poor people people all around the world obviously in australia that's all on our mind the right more weather events in mm. america and wildfires over there well, one of the simplest things that we can all do is to start tackling this 50% of food waste Definitely. that's happening in our homes. Mm. It's tangible, it's real, and you can start today. And it's one of the biggest impact things that we can do as, as individuals and in ha as households, isn't it? Because I think, I'll, I'll double check on the stats, but I'm sure in the stuff that I've read that actually, it, like it's narrow, but it is marginally higher impact than going vegan, is, is reducing your food waste as a household. And so when we think about these really big, huge lifestyle shifts that, that we think we might have to make, actually, this isn't one of them. This is something that we can do quite easily without disrupting our kind of routine, without asking our family to make any big changes and things. And, and we can do that quite easily just with some, and it might be a bit dull and it might be a bit grown up, but actually, it's really, <laughs> and I think that's one of the, the reasons it's not very... Um, kind of popular is it's just not very sexy is it it is really yeah. dull and grown up like doing a meal plan but it's so useful so um so I just mentioned meal planning there what are your top tips for reducing food waste well obviously my first top tip is meal planning and obviously you can go to storecupboard.com and when you'll be prompted to sign up because you can get your meal planner but also get a stock planner Wow. So that is where you can literally start because this is how I how I do it. After yeah, so talk us through how you do a meal plan every week. What do you, do you just kind of this is what I do is I kind of mentally think what's in the fridge, what's in the cupboards, what what can I be bothered to make? Um, and it's it's just I kind of wing it. Do you know, whereas I think there must be is there a more um, structured way of doing it? Yeah, totally. So. I think, you know, making it, it's like anything. If you want to make a change, make it nice. Mm -hmm. So make a cup of tea or a gin and tonic. Depends what the time of day is. <laughs> or what day of the week it is. But, yeah. you know, and actually just set aside and say, this is only going to be 20 minutes. Make it painless. Yeah. Um, so say, go to my website. You can download and have them for yourself completely free. Um, 
and you start off what do I actually have in the house mm. so what's fresh and perishable what needs eating you know so I know that after three weeks I still have a few parsnips because I'm the only person who eats them yeah you know um you know there's some ginger there's some parsnips there's some tofu there's you know some cheddar cheese um whatever but also all the different sources and sauces and things like that so mm. you know I've got oyster sauce I know that I've got some lovely Bellazzi rose harissa blah 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 go through and you see everything you've got and to me that immediately I go particularly at times where I'm worrying about money I can go oh, I've got so much food yeah got three types of pasta I've got three kinds of rice I've got <laughs> noodles I've got okay I've got bloody masses okay and then for me then the then the next important thing to do is say what's everybody doing this week mm. I think we forget okay. that don't we so okay so if we're out on Monday Tuesday someone's got yoga Wednesday we're in and out the house Thursday I've got meetings all day mm. Friday I'm in okay so Friday I can cook but these other few days okay time is precious what do I have in the freezer mm-hmm you know, okay, great. I've got some leftover katsu sauce in the freezer. Brilliant. Okay. If I know I've got rice, I know I've got katsu sauce. I can just get some tofu or chicken or aubergine, whatever. And I can do that. Brilliant. That's one taken care of. And that's in, so to me, that's the way of kind of like weaving it together is saying, what do I have? What's mm-hmm. happening in life? And then, and sometimes you might find you've actually only got to think about two meals. Yes. And as a person who likes to cook and has got so many cookbooks that a couple of my friends have actually laughed <laughs> out loud, um, <laughs> um, it's for me. It's a nice opportunity to think. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I will dig out, you know, a particular cookbook, you know, or even if it's a okay, I've still got those parsnips, and I might go to one of my ingredients-based cookbooks. So right. it's to me, it it it's an opportunity sometimes to push myself to be more creative, which yeah. I enjoy. If you don't care about being creative in the kitchen, you will save money. And also it's headspace. So I know like last week I was stuck on the train station platform. I had 20 minutes. I could see the supermarket in the corner of my eye. And I was like, I don't know what's for supper and I'm tired. And I thought, actually, you do. You're having risotto. You've got the things you need. Everything's there. The stock's in the freezer. And I literally went. (sighs) I hate that feeling. Every every afternoon, get the kids back from school. And then I'm like, what are we going to have for tea? Yeah. Whereas if I had okay. just spent, as you say, 20 minutes on a Sunday working out the meal plan, yeah. I would just be like, awesome. So I know we're having blah and I need to start getting ready for it at yeah. five o'clock or half past five or whatever. And it's just that it feels like I said to my husband, I was like, you don't understand. It's just the kind of <laughs> what am I going to cook every yeah. night? Every yeah. night? What am I going to cook? What am I going to cook? Whereas if I just mm. took that time, it would free up that headspace and just go, awesome, we're having that. Yeah, and it really, really does. And so, and and to me, that's also the lovely thing is that then you're going into, you know, when you are going to supermarkets, we all shop at supermarkets. Mm. And I'm probably like a lot of us, I go to a few. So I'll go to the super cheap discount ones for some things. And I might go to, you know, Waitrose for a couple of things and I get my bed. You're going in with a plan. So we used to call it Riverford, the £15 pint of milk. Because if you're making fewer trips to shop, you have fewer shopping opportunities. If you're planning, you go in with your list and you know that you do need the mozzarella. You know that you do need whatever. For those yeah. of us, well, for those people who have more money, I would encourage them to use that money they're saving to buy better quality organic food yeah. that is, you know, produced by farmers who are nurturing the soil for our future generations. Yeah. You know, and to me, I think that is a moral imperative of people who can afford to make changes like getting a glass, 
milk bottle delivery mm-hmm. like getting a veg box for those of us or for when we have times when we just literally need to get from paycheck to paycheck yeah this is a way that you can have your headspace for maybe helping you to get through to that next paycheck yeah you can know that you're doing your absolute best you can you know cook those meals that you can and you know that you're putting food in bellies that are hungry mm. but that you're hopefully able to to cook uh, and use that headspace for something else so yeah you know, I don't think that meal planning is just for the money middle class I think it's for everybody you know yeah. I know my grandma was poor and there's no way that a scrap of food was wasted in the yes. developing world food waste is is completely systemic it's not at home it's food waste uh, in home is really a symptom of modern western culture yeah and I think as well the food waste and um, the the meal planning helps you to save time as well because I yes. if as you said if you've got a day where you know you've you're free or you can batch cook at the weekend so if I'm making like a tomato sauce for pasta, I will always make double. And, and then I, and then, so I can factor that into my meal plan and say, maybe we'll have pizza one night or exactly. um, I'll use it for something else. Or if all else fails, I'll stick it in the freezer for an easy meal another day. But I think if you can just, and I, sometimes if we have a roast at the weekend, I quite like that because it helps me structure the rest of the week. So I go, okay, exactly. so I know we're having a roast chicken. So I'm going to have, um, you know, probably at least another two meals worth of chicken and maybe one of those goes in the freezer, but I know that we can have a chicken pie or a chicken curry or a, do you know, it, it helps me to that one thing to hook the rest of the week on. Exactly. And that's where I, I have always, and that's why I teach people to start with their leftovers mm. because that gives you a slightly different starting point every week. So if you are interested in being creative in the kitchen, and I think actually for a lot of us, um, and my dad is now in <laughs> finding this now that he is, the, the the lead cook when you are providing every or the, mo- the majority of the meals it is boring it is an oh, emotional burden it's so yes, dull and I've dull. got two children who have completely different tastes yeah and hunger levels so I you know I do get frustrated and bored with cooking so to me meal planning is it helps me to say okay this is what's left over this is where we'll start mm. but also I can say to people around me is this something that I haven't cooked for a while that you'd like. Yeah. And I think that's and another that really helps. good thing. And, and this is a kind of do as I say, not as I do think. <laughs> but I, I can imagine that if I sat down with the kids, you know, if we sat down as a family, maybe, you know, whilst we're waiting for something to cook or whatever on a Sunday and just said, okay, what's our meal plan going to be for the week? And they can put in their suggestions. And so yeah. when I put down risotto, cause that's just one of my go-to easy things to do. And now I serve it up and my youngest goes, I don't like risotto. Like he can say that to me before I've bloody made it rather than, <laughs> do you know, so that then, and if they turn up their noses yeah. up, go, I don't like that. Well, you told me that, you know, when we did the meal plan, you yeah. didn't say you didn't exactly. like it. And so they can get in the stuff that they like. We can, and be a bit more kind of cohesive around and make it, rather than it's my job to just conjure up these yes. meals every bloody evening like Absolutely. they're kind of part of that so I keep meaning to try and have <laughs> there you go that's well that's your challenge for, yeah. for next week but again exactly and my children have grown up with me in their living memory working for a veg box company talking always banging on about the environment so obviously for them they're pretty much spent last year calling me a VCSO girl and, and teasing me but now that they're a bit older I can say, well, actually, look, it, you know, you can't have salami every day in your lunchbox because it's yeah. not good for you and it's not good for you. But they're older and they can hear it. And we have yeah. that as a, more of a conversation now. 
Um, and I'll say to them, you know, to me, it's important that we eat vegetarian meals. We have about three times a week. Mm. And to me, that's another way that meal planning can help with your climate change anxiety yeah. because um, you can say, okay, well, we should, you know, if we, you know, if, if a family does eat meat or even if you don't, whatever, like, there's a certain amount of protein that you need to get. Mm. However you get that protein, if you get it from meat, you shouldn't be having it really more than three or four times a week, let alone twice a day yeah um so to me meal planning you can say okay well our three meat days are going to be roughly sure. there you know so maybe yeah if i forgot leftover roast chicken okay well i should have some on monday and then we'll freeze it so we can have it on friday or something rather than having meat every single day and yeah. so say like salad packs are also one of the things that people waste the most yeah. in the uk and i know because i once stood in my local Sainsbury's before I did an event kind of watching people interact with the salad pack aisle and literally walking up and throwing the bags into their bars mm. into their trolleys just not even thinking because obviously we're tired we're busy particularly it's mums mm. we do carry the emotional burden of our families but 160 million bags of salad are wasted each year and these are farmed so intensively. They're mostly farmed in monocultures. So that means a farm where they're mm. only farming one thing. Right. So the soil doesn't get to regenerate with different root systems well, going okay. into it. Yeah. You don't have like cows chowing down on clover mm. in it for a year and pooing all over it to naturally fertilize it. So that means there's loads of harsh pesticides going in there. There's loads of um, nitrogen being pumped into the mm. soil that gets runoff into the water. Um, and again, that is sort of, imagine that amount of plastic of 160 million mm. bags a year going literally into the bin so you've got all yeah. that plastic and all that salad so I'm not saying to people don't buy salad of course not we all need to eat more leafy greens but then maybe if you can see well okay this is when we're having salads yeah and this is when we're going to eat it yeah and then exactly. maybe you might maybe you might find you need one less salad bag a week or you know my my real nudge would be to say buy a whole lettuce right because it lasts longer because you've it's a bit like buying a um a piece of steak rather than mint you know you've got sort of one whole part rather than lots of little parts right um so to me that's where meal planning again helps us to save money and maybe make better environmental choices because we're going to eat more vegetables if yeah. we're planning when we eat them and we're actually responding to what our households eat rather than what we think they'll eat and I know I'm guilty of this what I hope they will yeah. eat. <laughs> <laughs> yes definitely yeah 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 so meal planning really really important sit down 20 minutes cup of tea um think about when people are going to be in and out because we all have that you know one or two nights a week where it's just a nightmare and nobody's in at the yep. same time and all that sort of thing yeah um, totally and then also how we can you talk about this brilliant thing on your website what do you call it relay Relay race cooking. Relay race cooking. Tell us about that. <laughs> um, yes. So this is how, again, how I see leftovers as inspiration. So on my website, I use the example of starting off with some rice. So you've got some leftover rice. And I did actually do this last week. So a lot of people, a lot of, well, white people uh, worry about rice being mm. dangerous as a leftover, which it's not because you actually need cold rice to make egg fried rice anyway. So if you say have a few handfuls of leftover rice, don't throw them away. Mm. So um, I do this in my video, but I did it last week. I had um, some chicken stock, which I had uh, left from making buttermilk chicken for my, my, my kids had some friends over. So I made some chicken stock. So I had leftover rice, leftover chicken stock. 
I fried some, a little bit of, it was genuinely half a leftover onion, um, a little bit of garlic, chucked in the, the stock, boiled it up and then chucked in the rice and it was just delicious. Mm. Oh, I did put some creamy milk in because it felt a little um, thin for lunch. Um, and I had that for lunch on Tuesday. But then say if, for example, you've got a bit of onion left over on the website, I say, well, okay, if I've got half an onion left over, obviously that doesn't constitute a meal, but that mm. might spark the inspiration for sausage sandwiches for everybody for a really quick tea. Mm. Okay, so let's have fried onion sausage sandwiches. And then say if you've got one sausage left over, don't just chuck it as we've talked about, but that you can, you know, just crumble that up and stir it through some pasta. If you've mm. got a hungry kid after school, or if you just need a quick lunch to take to work, boil some pasta crumble in a sausage, maybe stir a bit of butter through, boom, that's a meal. Yeah. So to me, it's this constant, just one meal can inform the next and inform the yes. next. And that's yeah. how intuitive cooks work. That's how chefs work. Um, it's just always looking at what's there and starting from what's there rather than trying to look at the supermarket shelf and use that as your inspiration. Yeah. And if you think that's really interesting what you're saying as well about, you know, and then you had that for lunch, because I sort of think, well, you know, I've got a couple of tablespoons of rice. That's not enough for to make a meal for the four of us the next day, but actually um, it's enough for my husband to take to work or for me to eat. Cause like if I'm here working alone, I just the biscuit or, you know, I'm really, (laughs) so if I had a little bit left over, um, that would make me eat a proper lunch and stuff. And, and I think if all else fails as well, like the freezer is your friend, isn't it? Totally. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, chuck things in the freezer, make sure you label them. I'm actually completely <laughs> guilty about this. Like seriously, you know, I just brown stuff, you know, so I'm horrific at labeling. I served up mango sorbet once thinking it was soup and I heated Amazing. it up. <laughs> wasn't very nice (laughs) yeah I think I thought I found curry and actually found chicken stew it's like mm -hmm. but you know the only thing that I would say about the freezer is don't put things in there because you don't want to eat them and think that you might want to eat them in a month it's just it's that I can't somebody used this phrase and I can't remember what it was but it's basically just like putting off the time at which you it has to live in your freezer for three months before you then throw it away (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, you know, um, what I'm going to, I'm starting to encourage people to do is actually to look at their food waste. And so if you know, there are certain things that you, you know, that you never find a way of of heating up, you know, uh, that you never really like, you know, I hate bitter leaves. I don't get my veg box and there are bitter leaves in it because I won't eat them. I'm the only adult in my house. It is just going to go straight in the bin. Mm -hmm. I don't even let it in my house anymore. Um, so uh so the freezer is definitely your friend i know there's a really cool cookbook coming out called the ice kitchen in oh, a few months yes on harper collins i can't remember the the lady's name shrivi ramant or anyway it looks incredible so she talks a lot about how to use the freezer as your friend yeah but i would also say just make sure that you're actually using it so as part of my stock check that you can get on my website i say go through your freezer mm. So you're actually using it. So you're actually rotating it because also food can get freezer burn um, and then it's inedible. Yeah. The other day, my, my, my little boy was like, mommy, have these brioche buns been in the freezer for quite a long time? I was like, they taste a freezer. I was like, "Mm, Mm, (laughs) (laughs) and then, you know, if you're trying to do something with those gross brioche buns, you try to make them into bread and butter pudding, they will still taste disgusting. Yeah. You know, and so there's no point adding more food to something to try right, to yeah, 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 good point. You know? But um if it's totally gone or particularly again if it's meat, once that's freezer burnt, it's gone. Yeah. Um but 
so that's why I say you need to keep a handle on your freezer, make sure that actually when you are thinking about what you're going to plan in the week, it's what is my perishable food in the fridge? What's my food in the freezer? Because it mm. only lasts three to six months in the freezer. It's not, you know, going to take you three, three years. Yeah. And then what are my jars? What are my sauces? Da, 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 da. One um, of the things that, that I did for a, a while and I've fallen out of the habit and I like to do again was I just had a, an A4 sheet and I kind of split it up into the number of drawers there were in the freezer and just wrote on there what was in there so that I didn't have to keep looking or thinking what was in the freezer. I could just see it on the, and I did it for my dad actually after um, my mum died and he was sort of trying to get his head around cooking and things. And I just mm-hmm. said, you know, like, this is what's in your, in your freezer that's in the garage. So you don't have to go outside and physically look, you know, what's in there just by having a look on the notice board. Um, yeah. And that can be quite helpful, I think. Absolutely. And again, it's, it's making it easy for yourself. Mm. How can I just, you know, easily check what there is. So if I know that there's a tomato sauce, brilliant. Well, then I can, you know, I know that, that, you know, I've got a couple of things of tomato sauce in the freezer. So I know that we can just have, have that for dinner, yeah, you know, yeah. on Thursday when I know we're all in out for the day, blah, blah, blah. So it's all those ways that we can sit with our, our meal planner, however you want to do it, however it makes it easy for you to do it by a special pen. Yeah, if that helps you, I I have some clipboards from an old job, and I really like putting it on a clipboard. Oh yeah, you know, and I go through everything I've got, and then I sit with my cookbooks with my dog, and I just kind of have a little think about what we're going to cook. So again, you know, it's all these ways to make it easy for yourself, make it into something, and I think it's that positive habit which then reinforces when you see how much less money you're spending, when you see when you feel that lightness of, you know. I'm tired and stressed but actually I've planned I have everything I need I don't have to run to the shops I can Mm. I don't I you know or I can make that phone call whilst I'm cooking because I know what I'm going to cook um you it it enables us to exhale and in these times when we all have a lot of burden on us in terms of you know we all have to show up so much for work and Mm. for Mm. family and caring and we're worrying about the things we hear on the news um I, to me it's just a really simple way to control isn't it feeling one aspect of your life is under control <laughs> like I've nailed exactly. one thing exactly and I definitely change what's happening each week like I might sort of go oh okay oh it might, one of my kids has asked for this particular meal and I wasn't expecting to or I need to swap around Wednesday and Thursday mm. but it, it, it's not about being perfect it's yeah. it's just about doing a bit better it's about you know I know you talk about this a lot you know it's about what are these small sustainable changes that I can make in my life that make a massive difference when we're all doing it and I know that corporations all have and government have a big responsibility but as we change our behavior as it happened the Atom effect with the straws Mm. that's when we can make change happen as well that's where we can show that's where you know that's where policy change happens that's when businesses take notice is when consumers make a noise yeah. so if consumers start making a noise about you know wasting less about making better food choices they will have to take attention mm. yeah definitely now on one of the things I loved on your website was you've got a picture of a box in your fridge that says eat me first and I was yes. like it's just genius like, <laughs> So that's so that stuff because I find my friend said this to me as well. She's like, if I put stuff in Tupperware in the leftovers in Tupperware, if it's not in a see-through box, yeah, it doesn't get eaten because I just forget about it. Totally. And I, mean, I was like, God, I'm exactly the same. It just gets pushed to the back of the fridge and yeah. you forget about it. Totally. Um, so yeah, eat me first. It's definitely not an idea that didn't originate with me, um, but it's particularly. I think it's helpful 
you know, in households because, you know, when your kids or somebody comes home and says, I'm hungry, what can I have? Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. In, which in some ways is great because they're not just helping themselves to something that we might have bought for another meal. Yeah, it that shows them. <laughs> right, I know. It's like, that's, that's why that's there. I'm and I, I, that. I have a five-mile round drive to a supermarket, so <laughs> really does my head in. Um, it shows people what there is you know, this is what you can have. And it's just an aid memoir. So especially if maybe one week you haven't planned, mm. if you know that that's what's got to go first, it's these oranges rather than the ones that are in the fridge, because I hope you're all saving, you're storing your fruit in the fridge and only having a few pieces out no. at a time. Yeah. So you, you should have my fruit in the fridge. Yeah, yeah I mean, unless you not bananas, but apples, particularly because apples at this time of year, if they're English, they probably been in cold stores since yeah. about October so I just tend to have out I mean so I have a three-person household so I'll have about six apples five or six apples out and a small bowl of oranges and that and then I store the rest of them in the fridge and then when it goes down so there's only a few left in the bowl then I take them out of the fridge and that way that my fruit doesn't go moldy <sighs> and another one that um, <laughs> when I interviewed Tessa from Olio she said oh, about amazing. not keeping potatoes and onions together and I was like shut yes. up <gasps> yeah yeah exactly they're not happy bedfellows so it might um, always go in the same basket I'm like that oh my god yeah exactly so again it's all these small things that that we can be doing keep your bananas away from everything else because of the, the uh, ripening agents that they emit I mean obviously if you've got some rock hard avocados although hopefully mm. nobody listening is buying too many avocados um so you know so they are they are super duper eggs I keep mine out of the fridge but that's entirely up to the individual but you know and like my bread I bake a lot of bread um I just keep it in a really unglamorous three quid Tupperware I mm. had to buy for a job in from Wilco you know it doesn't have to be yeah, yeah, yeah. a high-tech solution yeah um you can just use you know something cheap and cheerful repurpose something you don't need to go out and buy lots of glass containers yeah yeah and bankrupt you <laughs> it's yeah see what you've got be resourceful and the more resourceful people are I find and I get this from courses that I run when I've done cooking when when I used to work in psychology that helps us um I've got this really interesting quote from the American Psychological Association they say that stress manifests itself as a subjective feeling and a physiological response that occurs when a person feels that he or she doesn't have the capacity to respond and adapt to a given situation and they were writing this about the climate uh, climate crisis um, and our responses to it so you know for everybody who is feeling that stress and anxiety about the climate about should I go vegan should I ever eat beef again you know am I allowed to drink cow dairy milk mm-hmm. um there's a hundred different arguments you know actually pasture raised animals um act uh, as carbon sequesters uh, and there's uh, arguments are too complex to get into here but the simple steps you can take such as eating everything that you mm. buy eating less but better meat if you include it in your diet um making sure you eat everything you're increasing your amount of vegetables, buying organic if you can afford to do so. These are the small sustainable mm. changes that we can all make that add, will add up to reducing our food waste yeah. by 50%. It's mad, isn't it? It's bonkers. But just to pick up, a couple of times we've, you've talked about veg boxes. And I yeah. think one of the things a lot of people find tricky when they're making that transition to a veg box is instead of making a meal plan, then doing your shopping for that meal plan, 
you suddenly have this veg box and you almost need to kind of wait for your veg box to arrive and then do your meal plan based on what veg box contains and that's that's quite a difficult one to get your head around sometimes I think isn't it you're actually for that so funny you're actually rubbing your temples I am I'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) I think unless they're really super hyper local ones they should the big companies so Riverford, Oban Cole, I don't know if Farm Drop do veg boxes or just do delivery. Um, they will tell you what's coming. Yep. You so should you be able to know. you should be able to go online a few days before and see what's coming. Um, I think that's still a, a different um, mindset. Yeah, because you're being presented with something and you're having to make meals from that rather yeah. than going right. We're going to have X, Y, and Z, and I really like I like it because it means that I don't have to worry about what's in season, whether it's been air freighted, all those kinds of things. Yeah, that exactly. And I kind of can feel good about it. And I'm, um, you know, I feel confident enough in the kitchen to be able to kind of use up whatever comes and to rustle it up. But I know for a lot of people that they're suddenly presented with like three red peppers that they maybe wouldn't normally buy. And they're like, oh God, what do I, what do I do with that? So um, are there places we can go and kind of, you know, literally put in, I've got three red peppers what can I do with it definitely so obviously you should be able to go to my website and Mm. search for you know pepper you know red peppers or onion or whatever and find recipes that will help you to deal with that and definitely the Riverford website um you can sort of search through um kind of vegetable based recipes you know rather than because they thinking um, about a meal they've got an app as well haven't they I think it's called the veg machine and you can literally put in so you could put in red peppers or you could put in and it's like a fruit machine like in yes. the herbs and you can so you can scroll it down to red peppers you could scroll it down to onion and you could scroll it down to another vegetable if you had one and then it will work its magic and come up with recipes for those specific ingredients which is a really neat way of doing it as well yeah I think yeah I think they still have that I know we've just uh, they've just updated their their app um but I would say even just google recipes like mm. red pepper recipes um, and that's how I learned to cook lots of different things is because oh, okay. that was I mean I started having a Riverford veg box in 2006 when they used to do about four boxes right yeah um rather than I think they're up to about 19 now wow. um so I sort of that's how I kind of had to get much more creative with learning how to use things, use things up. And it takes a bit but, of time to start with, doesn't it? When you're le- but then actually once you've got a sort of repertoire of recipes under your belt and you learn what you can substitute and that sort of exactly. thing, it does become quicker. So it is a bit and of a I, learning curve. But it- And I'd say if somebody wants to try that way of cooking, but they're a bit freaked out by it and they find it a bit much, the thing is, is to get less. Maybe, mm. maybe get the VegBox company to supply you know, a veg box much smaller than you think that you'll need. And you can yeah. with all of these companies. I would say you could get a small veg box and say get some broccoli and some carrots. But that can be a way of, you know, either moving slowly into it or just yeah. or just letting that company kind of do a bit of that seasonal yeah. choice for you. You it don't have to be again, all or nothing. Yeah. Exactly. You can just again make these small sustainable nudges mm. that you you will notice over the over time that you're making a massive that your diet will be much more sustainable because you're eating that much less meat and more varied as well because I found when I was um getting all our fruit and veg at the supermarket just the same things go into my trolley every single week because you just feel um whereas you know when I suddenly have red peppers or something I'm like oh well maybe I could do a red pepper pesto and you know and suddenly you're kind of cooking with things that you wouldn't necessarily 
oh, I literally, I, I signed up for the veg box. We thought it would last a couple of weeks. I was like, if I cook one more roast vegetable lasagna, yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> and my husband was like, yes, me too. Please, can we try? And we were both just so desperate because we were tired. And I yeah. had, I think I've been back at work for six months or a year. So my daughter was quite little and we were eating a lot of bad, bad food because we were living on a South London high street. I think there was a lot of pizza go-go in our life. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of stuffed pasta, like tortellini yeah, and lots of plastic yeah. packaging. So like, but again, with all these different ways, you know, if you're eating a lot, if you're, you know, being able to get your veg from somewhere where that has hardly any packaging or maybe zero packaging, uh, and you're starting to take those leftovers into work for mm-hmm. you, even if it's a couple of days a week, I know I can't always go into formal work situations with a Tupperware in my yeah. bag, you know. Um, I spent a lot of time going to a private members club last autumn. I was not going to take a sandwich with me. Um, but if you're doing it a bit more yeah. um, and if you're trying to reduce your your plastic waste, your packaging, then wasting less food is a massive part of that because yeah. most of our food is packaged. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um like the very last thing there's so many things I could talk to you for hours (laughs) before bullshit I love that on your website thank you um so it's start best before end dates apparently started as a stock rotation device for supermarkets just so that staff would know to pull stuff to the front yeah yeah. uh and then uh it sort of this is maybe the slight cynic in me but it kind of became a bit more of a marketing Mm. ploy to get people to buy more food yeah 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 um, I'm quite fortunate. I, my parents were a bit older. Obviously when I was a kid, I didn't see this as a fortunate thing, but, um, my dad actually was, uh, lived under rations till he was 16 and my mum till she was eight. So we very much grew up on a household of, you know, I can remember going, this yogurt looks, it says it's best before was yesterday. Mm. And my parents said, don't care. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. It says best not, and you have to open it. Yeah, and first you have to sniff it, look at it. If it looks fine, then you sniff it. If it smells fine, taste it. If if it tastes bad, you don't eat it. That's yeah, fine. Um, so really, best before and dates are just that. They are just a best before. We 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 put far too much uh, priority on them. Um, you know, so much milk is wasted every year because there's panic. And actually, I was on BBC um, Radio Kent recently. And the presenter was saying that he'd stopped wasting milk, having spoken to me, and he would panic the day before the best before end and throw it away. The day <gasps> I was sat there. I was like, I was literally horrified. Um, but it's fear because people are worried, you know, because, yeah. you know, certainly my age, there was not an awful lot of food cooking uh, education mm, at school. Mm. And if your parents didn't know it, I was, again, I was lucky I grew up in a slightly foodie-ish just not it wasn't really foodie it was just pragmatic and we just cooked um household um so the only so what i would encourage people to do is really just learn to trust their senses more mm. so when it's milk because it's an easy example just literally look at it yeah does it look okay <laughs> so it got lumps and then and then well my see my milk does because it's unhomogenized from the from the <laughs> milk thing um but then smell it if you're not sure then smell it if you're still not sure have a tiny t- any taste yeah. of it just with the tip you're not going to get food poisoning I don't say that to be to tease people but it's a, it's a real worry and obviously if you've got people who are very poorly if you've got pregnant people at home mm, yeah you know I'm I'm giving us advice for 
robustly healthy people. Yeah. Um, if you're really not sure about tea, we all know this classic thing. You go and you make a lovely cup of tea, you put the milk in and it's like scrambled egg in the top yeah, of the yeah. tea. So if you're really not sure, chuck it in there. If the milk has gone a slightly bit cheesy, don't throw it away though, because buttermilk, which is soured milk, was always used to make soda bread. So to me, if I find that some of my milk has gone a little bit sour, again, this is back to relay race cooking, I go, brilliant, we can have soda bread, we can have scones. And if I've got soda bread, maybe we can have soda bread and soup for supper. And then once you've made that soda bread as well, you can also freeze that, can't you? So exactly, instead of thinking, exactly. oh, I've got to make soda bread, so that means we've got to eat it today. Actually, I can make scones or soda bread, chuck them in the freezer, and then next time it's we're having on. soup, I've got something exactly about. And that's kind exactly. of rescued that thing without you having to eat it straight away. Exactly. Or even if you know that you will bake soda bread in three days, you can chuck the milk in the freezer. I just oh, okay. literally with, with the permanent marker, write sour milk. Do not eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, chuck it in the freezer and then I know it's there. And because I'm going through my freezer every week or two, mm. I know it will get used up. So again, it's that relay race idea of just taking something um, and going with it. Obviously, if it's meat that smells bad, don't eat it. Uh, so use no by way. dates are a bit more, a little bit more hard and fast. But again, I would go always go back to your senses. Yeah, sniff it, look at it, give it a tiny nibble. I know once I wasn't sure about. I think it was a piece of chicken, so I just bit with the very front of my teeth, and my whole body just went, no, 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 don't. Oh really? <laughs> years ago, but I can, you know, and I did once when I because I was vegetarian as a teenager when I went back to eating meat, I once thought if I cooked the chicken through well enough, it would kill the toxins. And three days later, uh, yeah, the food poisoning was, uh, so meat, absolutely fish, you know, if it's gone, if it smells gone, it's gone, maybe evaluate why you left it that long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, but the one truly hard and fast one I know, and I can't remember the reason why is black treacle. Once that's gone past its eat before it is completely toxic. No way completely and utterly God, so I'd, look, have gone, I'd have gone no it'd be fine it's got loads of sugar, sugar in it if you look at a tin of the lyle's black treacle it will say dispose of on really yes oh my god i'm gonna go and check my <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah a lot of things will just be a bit tasteless and a bit rubbish. yeah again that's where stock rotation for for our own households is really important yeah wow this has been absolutely amazing and one <laughs> Um, thing I wanted to ask you, um, have you come across the Kozo app? No, I haven't. So I interviewed them. I'll, I can't remember what I should, should have this at my fingertips, what podcast episode it was, but I will link to it in the show notes. And it's an app Brilliant. and it kind of does that whole stores cupboard bit for you. So you can scan all the stuff that's in your cupboard with yeah. barcodes on and, and you can put in there that, you know, when it needs to be eaten by, which is useful, but you can also do the same with your stuff in your fridge and your freezers and you can manually put stuff in so if you put in like one portion spaghetti bolognese that's been left over and you put it in the fridge you can set a reminder on your phone for like two days time that will say this is gonna this needs eating like today so that it doesn't that's get amazing. and I was like oh that's genius and the same with the freezer so you know if you're sort of sat at work thinking oh, what we're going to eat tonight you can almost like look on there and see what yeah. you've got in your freezer and what you've got in your fridge and then Brilliant. kind of come up so I just kind of and I think they said that they'd been doing, um, you know, trials on it and stuff and getting feedback and people had reduced their food waste by like 70% using it. Um, 
that's amazing so I do, yeah so I just kind of want to flag that one in case that's useful for anybody as well no that sounds absolutely brilliant I'm going to download it straight away yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no that's absolutely fantastic and exactly and again it's all these things it's making it easy for yourself yeah so obviously that your website store cupboard is it dot com yes are there any other really good websites and resources that people can use sort of when it comes to you know making meals out of leftovers or nothing or you know what they've got in the freezer uh definitely so i would say well for the the real kind of people who enjoy their cooking there's a james beard foundation cookbook about food waste which is really great um that friend put me on to last year um i'd say the smitten kitchen uh cooking website is really good because as i'm building on my website slowly um you can just click on an ingredient so you can sort of start from there you know mm. apples or whatever um and again other ingredients based websites so riverford is quite helpful um so i think any but even just literally google you know like yeah. two eggs so the bbc food website lets you do that i think doesn't it you can put in exactly. an ingredient and it will come up and also um love food hate waste have you come across i think they're yes. part of wrap aren't they they, they are a, they um, are so you can type put in a leftover ingredient and it will come up with some some good stuff as well so it, exactly so I think but again it's just um it's that mindset shift and yeah, it's that definitely. reader's thing of this is my leftover and this is where I will start not yeah. here is here is the blank slate of the week I don't know sure. where to start yes yeah, yeah, start like, with um, what I have yeah it's like looking at a blank page on a you know if you're writing a book or whatever isn't it that's quite intimidating if you've got something to start you off with that's um really really helpful exactly this has been amazing where can we come and find you online so you can find me if you're interested in professional services at www.andstore.com and for your meal planners your stock take and for everything you can go to storecupboard.com and where can we find you are you on like social media yes sorry yes of course thank you for the prompt <laughs> um yeah so everything is uh, store cupboard so that's s-t-o-r-r cupboard s-t-o-r-r and you're on the Twitter and the Instagram. The and Twitter um, yeah, has been a little bit neglected, but yes, yeah, so Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, you can find me at all the usual places. Brilliant. Fabulous. Thank you so much. I really hope Thank that very much. Um, we can have a little kind of food waste revolution going on. And uh, we, we said about this before we hit record that we talk about food waste and it sounds, it sounds, doesn't sound very appealing. doesn't sound like something we want to say so whether, you know, we need to come up with a sexier name for it, don't we? Leftovers, like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we need to, as you said, it is that mindset shift and actually just remembering the whole time, this is a hugely powerful thing yeah. that we can take control of in our homes, it, it, sort of to take control um, around, around the climate crisis. So I think just banging that drum as much as Absolutely. we Absolutely. No, exactly. I think you heard it before we start recording. It's like we don't all need to go vegan. We just need to eat the food that we buy. We need yeah. to plan more. And in that way, we can make such an enormous difference in the climate crisis and to our own personal relationship with our environment. You know, whether that's living in the countryside or in the middle of the city, we can all make such a big difference just by planning our meals and not wasting anything. Amazing. That was a brilliant um, line to finish on. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week 
to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review, and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is, and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time.